0: Is your work attire causing a style fever? The cure is clear, my friend. The pink tastic scrubs and accessories from Bizcare. Their collaboration with the National Breast Cancer Foundation isn't just a fashion statement, my friend. It's a prescription for change. A portion of each sale supports the National Breast Cancer Foundation. Bizcare is thrilled to announce that they're sponsoring this episode of the High Performance Nursing Podcast. Visit liamcaswell.com forward slash bizcare to find your nearest stockist. Remember the best things in life are worth talking about. Talk to your friends, family, patients and colleagues about breast cancer prevention today. Hello and welcome back to the podcast today. We are sharing an episode of Be Queen Yourself where I was interviewed by the amazing Hannah Sawyer So if you've heard this one, you can skip this episode. But if you haven't heard it, we talked all things leadership. We talked about my experiences as a leader and how you can really set yourself up for success in your career. Lots of amazing nuggets in here. Stick around, watch it, use this information. I thought it'd be really good to position it here at the start of the year. There's so much that you can take from this that you can use in setting yourself up for success for 2023. See you on the other side. Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Be Queen, Yourself, the podcast. I am so pumped because I have my amazing friend here with me, Liam Caswell and he is incredible. You're in for such a treat. Liam, thank you for joining us. How are you?
0: Thank you so much. I'm so grateful and love connecting with you, Hannah. So let's do this.
1: Yes, let's do it. So I always love to start with your queen moment for the week. So starting off on a win or a time you were proud of yourself, what is your queen moment?
0: Oh yes, I love this. So my queen moment for sure. I'm going to go with this year. My queen moment so far this year has been going full-time in my coaching business to support amazing nurses across Australia and in New Zealand. I've got some international clients there, which is phenomenal. And yeah, that's my queen moment is just committing to the goal that I set myself, that impossible goal that felt like it was never going to happen, trust in my gut and making it a reality. So that is what I'm celebrating.
1: Amazing. That's so, so incredible. And it really is a testament to the impact you can create that is, you know, outside the cookie cutter norm of nursing careers. So if you're listening to that and that inspired you or sparked your interest and definitely listen to that little part of you that is telling you that there's something more there for you. So in your words, who are you and what do you do?
0: Oh, good question. So I'm Liam. I'm originally from Scotland, a small town called Hoyke in Scotland, which is where a lot of the Harry Potter. Claim to oh, fame. Harry Lord. Potter. I did and- not know
1: that. But I am like diehard <laughs> Harry Potter fan. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> the, um,
0: the knitwear was made there because my hometown is known for knitwear. So if you've ever heard of like Lyle and Scott or those kind of brands, it all comes from my hometown. So that's my claim to fame. But I grew up there. I lived there for you know sixteen or so years and. As I finished school, I was like, "Hey, what do I want to do with my life?" And everybody around me was like, "You're so good at looking after people, Liam. You should become a nurse." And of course, I went, "Sure, let's make it happen." So I left school. I actually left school at 15, but nobody. But you can in Scotland. And I went to college and I did a year's transition and did my kind of healthcare, higher healthcare was called at the time. And from there, I went to uni in Edinburgh and studied Bachelor of, of Nursing. And I graduated when I was 19. So I was like super young. And at the time I was surrounded by all these people that like had much more life experience. And were like, hey, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. You don't have the life experience. And I had immense imposter syndrome. And looking back now, I think I was so naive at the times I kept thinking, like, Lane, you got this, like the internal monologue was like, hey, like stuff them. Like you're going to prove them wrong. And I had this really funny vision to be like the youngest director of nursing. Not sure why, I think I was on a bit of a power trip but I had this vision for my career and I got to work. Like, you know, I moved through my nursing career. I started off in medical admissions and planning. I moved into intensive care nursing. And then I moved from there across here to Sydney where I met my partner back in the UK and we moved here. He's Australian from Tamworth and we moved here. And I then was open to all these amazing opportunities in Australia that we don't have in the UK. So we're super lucky. And also the pay is like quadruple here, which is a nice added bonus. bonus. So I landed here and I did all the things. I worked for agencies. I worked for education providers in Sydney. I worked for the universities doing clinical facilitation. And I moved around a lot and I sampled a lot of different roles. And then we finally got the chance to move to Canberra with my partner's work. And that's when I kind of started putting some kind of roots down and getting serious about roles And I moved from ICU into my first kind of educational, which was advanced life support training. And I did that. And I just loved being able to help shape clinicians, knowledge, education, skills, wisdom, their experience. And the rest was kind of history. I moved through the ranks. I did my master's in international public health and health management. I did that through UNSW and I absolutely loved that. And that was a key pivotal moment for me in my career where I went this is the problem with healthcare. We're not equipped with the skills to lead and manage what is like a four or $5 million business. Each ward is a four or $5 million business that should be run like a business, but we just run it willy-nilly as amazing clinicians with no leadership experience. So I'm sure we'll dive into that. And from there, I invested in becoming the nurse unit manager, the nurse educator that I truly wanted to be and really started to dive deep into who it was I wanted to be intentionally. And that took me down a bit of a dark path in realising that I was burnt out, I was fatigued, I was not aligned, I was chasing a goal that was like everybody else's goal, not my own goal. And I realised that I needed to make a change. So I invested at the time, I couldn't find a clinical career coach for healthcare professionals. In Australia, I couldn't find it. Of course, as soon as I labeled myself as one, it popped up on my Instagram, my Facebook, and there was all these people. But at the time I couldn't find them. And I invested in a career coach non-clinical. And that's where like my life literally just changed. I became an NLP practitioner. I invested in coaching, ongoing coaching, and I started to see my full potential. I started to realize that what I thought was possible for me was like I wasn't even scratching the surface. And fast forward to today, here we are. I now am a nurse career and leadership coach. I've worked with over 140 nurses across Australia and New Zealand, helping them achieve their career goals and clarity. I'm working with leadership clients who are making huge moves in their career and trying to change the culture of healthcare to be what it should be, what it should have always been. And that work in itself is what motivates me to keep being the person that I've become and pushing my own boundaries. So it's super exciting. I'm so excited about what is possible moving forward. And I know that we both relate to this, that anything is possible really when you set your mind to it. And that's why I want to be an example to nurses of what's possible because you can create whatever the heck you want.
1: Oh, what a journey you have been on. That is so so incredible and I love that. It's like when you look back, you can see how everything has connected and, you know, the universe has given you the breadcrumbs to be able to show you, okay, this is what's next, this is what's next. And just for those listening who maybe in are in a bit of doubt or feeling like I don't know what my next move is. Did you ever think, you know, at the beginning of your journey that you would be where you are now.
0: Oh my goodness. No. And I love that you bring that up because for me, honestly, of my 10, 11 years nursing, I reckon I spent a significant amount of that time trying to find a way out. Seriously. I want to keep it real. I spent a lot of time trying to find my way out. If you ask my partner, my friends, my family, I was always like looking for the next best thing. I was looking externally for the course that maybe I should have been doing. Like I should have become a musician, of course, like that's my passion. I love to play and sing the piano. So I was like, that's what I should be doing, right? And I spent so much time trying to create a different reality than just accepting what it was that I was in and then making that work for me. Like, it's just fascinating to look back and go, wow, like, why did I waste so much of that time? And looking back now, I realized that it was beneficial to do that and to give myself the options But yeah, you don't know how you're going to get where you want to be until you're there. Mm. So just trust the process. Take those little things that come up for you and get curious about them and explore them and allow yourself to go to that place. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. It wasn't meant to be. Move on and sample something else.
1: 100%. I love that so much. I think it's being okay with pivoting and changing paths as long as you're staying true to yourself. Mm. And, you know, you don't have to know how everything's going to work out. Often in our mind, we get so caught up on, I want to be in this space, but how, 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 how will everything fall into place? But you only have to, you know, listen to like Liam's journey and look at his story or look back at your own life and see that, oh, actually everything has fallen into place for me to be where I am right here, right now. Mm-hmm. So I know we are both massive fans of investing in ourselves. And, you know, we are always banging on about this, both of us on our social medias. So <laughs> why do you feel nurses need a coach, in your opinion?
0: Oh, how long do we have? Um, <laughs> I think the nurses need a coach, first and foremost, because it is one of the hardest professions. I truly, truly stand by that, that this job is unlike no other. We are not just heading into work and sitting at a desk and just going through the motions. There is no capacity for that within our work. We experience immense levels of stress, immense levels of trauma. And we do not have a platform or a service or a way to process that. We're not equipped with the skills, tools, knowledge, wisdom to be able to work through that in a Psychologically safe way to then move forward and continue to create the life that we want to create, right? It drags us down. That's not to be a Debbie Diner. It is the freaking reality. 11 years, trust me.
1: <laughs> it's what happens. There <laughs> no, is a thing I'll do.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it happens. And the power of coaching is that coaching allows you to truly explore who you are, how you react, how you maybe want to react. And it also allows you to explore what you want to create in your life. Coaching is not something that I would say is very past focused. It depends the type of coaching. I know, Hannah, a lot of the work that you do is past focused. But it also allows you to come back to this moment and like create from this moment forwards. And it is important to look back at the past and see what we've gone through and maybe to heal that so that we move forward. But what I love about coaching is like it meets you where you are right now. And it sees you for being fully complete, 100% capable, and it allows you to create whatever the hell you want in your future. And for most nurses, I hear it all the time, I'm not good enough. I don't have that certificate yet. I don't have 10 years of experience. Maybe it's not the right time. My manager doesn't think that I'm capable of this. I'll stuff at all. <laughs> Coaching allows you to really explore that and assess whether or not it's factual, or whether it's a story that you're telling yourself or your ego is telling you to keep you safe. And I think that the work that we do just has us so cognitively overloaded all the time that we get to a space where we just crave being cognitively overloaded. We crave it. We want it because it is so familiar. And in fact, even if you like look at a day off as a nurse, right? I know you and I both struggle with this. Look at your day off as a nurse. Like, do you wake up and you're like, oh my God, like I've wasted my day because I've got nothing planned. And you're so used to just being on the run and so burnt out and overworked that when we give ourselves the space to try and get some clarity or, you know, explore what it is we truly want, we just don't know what the hell we're doing. So, coaching creates a safe space for you to do that coaching exposes your brain to you in a safe non-judgmental way so that you can be like oh is that what I'm choosing to think like yeah it is so what can we choose that is better mm. <laughs> what can we choose that is more empowering for you to believe to create the results that you want to achieve yeah. so I mean there are so many reasons why coaching is so important it has been in every industry for years Healthcare is yet to pick up this burden and it is a long overdue. And I would go as far to say that I think coaching is the answer because we can't change the system. We can't change it. It's external to us. We can't change the culture on a micro level, on a macro level we can, but on a micro level, day-to-day, person-to-person, we can't really influence it that much. The only thing you can do is take ownership of your thoughts, your mindset, and challenge all of those things that are not serving you? And why wouldn't you want to do that? Why would you choose to stay where you are with a shitty mindset, (laughs) potentially, and those self-limiting beliefs versus taking action and creating what it is you want to create in your life?
1: boom, mic drop. (laughs) Yes. I love that so much. And what you said there about, you know, you end up just craving the busyness and the chaos and that really, there's so much that I could say on that, but it's so, so true. And, you know, The job itself fires up your nervous system. And we've already got our nervous system programming and you know the way we respond to things. And so when you're going into that environment, if you don't have the active strategies to bring yourself back to that calm, centered space, then Mm. you will burn out and you will feel that compassion fatigue and you will feel highly stressed. And your body gets used to that so quickly. And then if you're not in that, does not feel normal. And so your body creates that, your unconscious creates that your reality so oh there's so so much gold in what you just said there so when I intro you I shared that you actually worked as a nurse unit manager which is amazing I know that is a goal that quite a lot of nurses have so can you share what your experience was like and what you learned about yourself during that journey
0: Did you know that nearly every nurse that joins our application support program comes in feeling lost, stuck, confused about where they want to go, and they don't know if they can continue on their current career path. They want access to clarity, options, career growth opportunities to help them find the work that aligns with who they are and allows them to live again and nurse on their terms. If that sounds like you, we can 100% help you. It starts really simply with booking a call with me to explore your situation, and you and I will map out together a plan forwards. If you want to go from stuck, burnt out, confused, and overwhelmed to aligned, clear, and in control of your career, it's super simple. Book a call today, let's have a chat and let's get you moving towards your goals. It's totally possible for you too. So, in total, I reckon I've done maybe three years or so as an student manager. Two, two and a half, three years. And I've done it across acute and subacute care and worked in different environments. And I guess my main learnings across that were that it is a business <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and you know we're deluded if we don't see that from the get-go. So anybody that's going into an artitunate manager role needs to understand that you are running a business. Doesn't mean it can't be ethical and moral and all of the things, but it is a business, right? And the shift between clinician to leader slash manager is massive. And naturally, we are taken back to want to be on the floor and we want to just go back into what is comfortable for us as humans because that's where our skill set lies. But a num role requires so much of you. It requires budgeting, staffing, performance management, quality improvement, risk mitigation. There's legal, there's dealing with complaints. How do you manage really high level human rights commission level complaints that are coming through? How do you politely and respectfully tell a staff member you're not performing and take them through an underperformance process? How do you have a difficult conversation with a doctor who is literally actively trying to not overdose people on your unit with their bad prescribing and all of those things? Now, when you look at all of those things I just talked about, we're never taught that. No one teaches us that. And if you're moving into a NUM role or a leadership role, that should be one of the questions you ask of the panel pre-interview is what does the support look like for me coming into this? So that's one thing I wish I did a bit more exploration around, but you're going to remember I had my Masters of Healthcare Leadership and Management, so I felt probably more equipped than what other people felt going into it. But it was very obvious to me when I came in how ill-equipped everybody around me was that had not invested in their professional development and getting a leadership qualification of some variety. Because here's the thing, nurse unit manager roles have the word manager in the title. And I live by the philosophy that we manage things and we lead people. So whenever you look at a role like a num, right, a huge part of it is leading people but we're in the title as leader. So people used to come to me and call me boss. Like it was kind of this running joke on the unit. And I really kind of hated it because boss to me connotates like manager, dictator, authority. And that's not the leadership style that I wanted to embody and that I didn't embody, that I didn't you know portray, but it was a cultural thing as a society as a profession, we believe that the the numb is the authority and that what they say holds true and we can't challenge that. Whereas I tried to create more of like a transformational leadership style approach and I tried to lead more than manage. And that was challenging in itself, but the results were amazing. You know, we increased our culture survey results from like 30 30 to 35% engagement up to 65% within three months of me being Uh there by just valuing people and their time And their opinions, right? Because what do people want? They just want to be heard. You might not have a solution, but they just want to be heard. So that was a huge challenge, managing a budget and getting people on board with change and realizing that change is the only constant as a leader is one of the most frustrating things because you know, we have all these goals and KPIs and yet everybody sits there and they like actively oppose change, but like your patient changes all day. <laughs> like we're so used to change, but we claim to have change fatigue. So that was really challenging. And then I guess it is helping people see that they can make a positive difference. So helping my seniors, like go for the roles that they deserve to go for. And that's where my coaching, my love for coaching was born because I would bring people in and have a conversation. I remember one person saying to me, Liam, I've been a nurse for over, I think she's been a nurse for over 20 or 30 years. And she said to me, this is the first time that a manager's ever pulled me into the office and had a one-on-one career development conversation with me in 30 years. And to add to that, like she wanted to apply for a promotion. And I said, you know, like, what's stopping you? She said, well, I just don't know how to do my CV and my application. I said, well, luckily, like I can help you. Like, and she went, you would do that said, so of course I will. Like, I want to see you win. I want to see you develop and grow. So, I mean, if you're working in a workplace and that's not something that your manager actively offers, I would question whether that's a great workplace for you because it's part of our duties. It's part of our ability and scope within the role to develop the people around us. Why would we not want to lift our seniors up and help them achieve their goals? And she ended up getting the job, of course, and. She was like, so grateful, it's taken out like 30 years to get a promotion. Literally no one invested in her. So it's just really sad for me that that's the culture that we've developed. And I can hear people already saying, but what about time? Like, We don't have enough time as managers. You have to create the time. Like if you want something bad enough and you want a positive working culture as a leader and a manager, you have to factor this stuff and you just have to make it happen. It's not easy, but it's totally possible. So they would be the main challenges that I kind of, or learnings that have came across. And also the big thing that I took away was just be a learner, be open to learning. Don't think that you need to know it all. The managers and leaders that are like, no, I know best. I I have all the answers. They are dangerous. And stay clear of them and avoid at all costs. Try managing up if you can, but often it's quite challenging and they're not going to change. It is a characteristic of that person. So find a better opportunity for yourself because that is just a route to toxic culture and toxic leadership that you don't want to be around for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. Such valuable insight because often, you know, we don't hear the managerial perspective. We hear the perspective on the ward. So Mm -hmm. it's really valuable to see the other side of that. And I think what you said there lastly is that it's so important as a leader to be approachable. And to have that space for your team, because as you said, you are leading people. And although it is a business, it's a people business. And so if your staff are not happy, you know, morale gets low, things don't get done. You know, it's just a such a cycle that happens and that we see everywhere within healthcare, unfortunately. So from your managerial perspective and experience and the insight that you have now, What do you feel needs to change in the healthcare culture?
0: I believe that change needs to start from the top down and there needs to be more transparency and authenticity. There needs to be more connection from the top with staff on the floor. I mean, I've worked in areas where the director of nursing like literally doesn't know the staff on the floor. I don't think that's acceptable. Mm. I think that the Don, the Adon should know everybody or make an effort at least to walk around and engage And I also think that they should work clinically at least once a fortnight or once a month, even if it's just a buddy shift. They don't have to take a load, right? Even if it's just to show face, imagine what that would do for the culture. And the other thing that I think needs to change, of course, is You know, we can talk about ratios and all of that. I think ratios does need to change for sure. We need standardized ratios to support nurses, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than just getting one to four because you could get one to four and you could have four of the sickest patients in the unit and you'd still be unhappy. (laughs) You're still going to have a chaotic day. So I think that's where coaching comes in. I think that's where there is a need for people to have access to something that's better than EAP. (laughs) EAP serves a purpose, but something that is more person-centred, staff-centred, that actually provides a service, an ongoing service with an individual so that they can get access to the support that they need. Because it's through building rapport, trust and connection that we're able to make changes in people's lives as coaches. It's not through a one-off interaction. So it always frustrates me when people are like, can you just do one session of coaching? I'm like, well, I can. (laughs) And it will give you results, but long-term, you want to make sure that you're actually committing to this and to yourself long-term. So I think support for the workforce is a huge thing that needs to happen. And by doing that, like you said, will help us foster a higher-performing culture. That's kind of why I went down the path of high-performance nursing, because I have this vision that when we do invest in each other and we do support each other and we empower each other, we don't drag each other down, that we will create the workforce and the service That our patients deserve, but we actually are proud of delivering. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the things that are like the kitchen's crap, the food shit, like all of that stuff, we can't waste any time on that. Like we literally can't change. (laughs) So, if you are someone that's listening that is spending a lot of time in all those external things, you know, come back to yourself. What can you do? What can you work on to help elevate and improve your practice and your experience of the work? Because being a nurse is one of the biggest privileges on the planet, like it is the most inspiring thing to be able to offer somebody beautiful, holistic care and to be able to offer that in a high performing way. We all deserve a right to to access that as consumers, but also as staff. So I think the support is what's missing and actually labeling and seeing people for what they do and what they offer and sharing the loads. I worked in a hospital where we implemented One of my colleagues implemented a kind of shared distribution model where if there's a call bell going, like why is it the nurse's responsibility to answer the call bell? Like don't walk past the light. If you're an allied health member or you're a physio, an OT, why can't you nip in and just turn the call bell off and ask them what's happening and provide some kind of support or delegate and escalate? So I think there's better scope for us to work as a team to deliver the care. The biggest frustration I had as a manager was, see, was seeing Allied Health and everybody else go out for lunch and sitting outside for like an hour, whilst my staff just literally couldn't get there. We couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. And that that is so frustrating. And we all see it, right? And I'm not bagging out Allied Health. I think it's great that they have boundaries and that they can detach and do that, but not everybody can. And how can we make that a
1: reality for yes. the whole workforce yes so so true and what you said at the beginning there really just struck me you know having the dons and the higher-ups do some clinical shifts imagine what that would do for staff morale for mm-hmm. you know the rules and the regulations that they enforce they would actually be able to see okay this is the consequence of that or this actually won't work here as opposed to implementing it and waiting for the backlash or the consequences or the you know just kind of sitting there and waiting you know as opposed to actually being on the floor and seeing Mm. what is possible so I really really love all that you said there yeah, so
0: that Hannah sorry just sorry to dive in there yeah go in, ahead. in relation to that there is definitely a direct correlation with staff happiness culture workforce engagement when that happens because I did it on my own. I didn't work full shifts clinically but I would go out and it was very interesting as a manager to hear the feedback from the staff I would go out in the morning and we had these ridiculous rules like we start at seven and all patients need to be washed, clean, showered in the dining room by 7.45 or eight o'clock. And I'm like, hold on. Like we started seven. We finished hand over at 7.30. We have 30 patients. We have five staff. It's not possible. So anyway, I would go out and because I was implementing this rule with the hierarchy, I went out and I would do meds and stuff with the staff and I would put people in the shower and I would go and shower the discharges and the staff were like, what are you doing? You're not allowed to do this like you're the boss, you can't do this. And I just found it fascinating when in fact, when it came to the days where it was really bad, I was out there helping them. I was in amongst that I had so much to do. I did not need to be there. And in fact, my managers at the time, one of them would say, why are you doing that? Why are you going out and helping people? I said, because if we can't help them in this moment, like they're not going to ever come to the table when we need their help, ever. So it is an exchange, right? It's an exchange of energies. It's an exchange of support. And I think that it is such a simple little thing that any manager, any leader, any team leader, anybody in charge could do to change the culture immensely.
1: Mm, that's mm. so, so powerful. Amazing. So I have a lot of beautiful student nurses and graduate nurses within my community. And you know, there is so much unknown when you're in that space and you're transitioning. So what would you say your main advice or wisdom would be to nurses who are just beginning their career?
0: I think because I work a lot in the application space, I think in the application space, definitely create lots of opportunities for yourself. So don't put all your eggs into one basket, big mistake. Apply for the public, apply for the private, apply for the roles that are just out there that are something that tickles your fancy, right? Go for it and explore all of the options. The other thing that I would say is around be kind to yourself on that journey and that process because ultimately it's a hard gig. Like you've spent three years training to get to this point and you're probably going to feel like you should have all the answers. But here's the thing, when you start, you, you realize that uni has prepared you to a point and the real learning starts from day one. So just be really consciously aware of what you're making all of your experiences mean about yourself, okay? Because it's so easy by the end of that first week to be like, I'm a failure, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to be able to do this. Q imposter syndrome, Q mind drama, Q self-sabotage. <laughs> and just stop and really get curious about that and go, you know what, be kind, I'm at the start of this journey. And it's that whole trajectory of change, right? You've gone from being a student to now being an RN, and at this point in your career, it's just about being a sponge, be a sponge and just soak it all in and take what you can find the people that will support you and mentor you Try in that first week and sit down with your manager and get to know them and make sure that you have all your questions answered so that you can move forward consciously and be able to move forward and build your career from there, because that support is going to be vital moving mm-hmm. through that transition period. It's kind of like a honeymoon phase, right? It's yeah. You're just starting out. for The first six months, it's going to be weird, wonderful, wacky, and you're not going to know what's happening.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So normal. embrace it. Yeah, embrace it. I wish I had known that at the beginning of my career. So we are both big fans of nursepreneurship, as you have found out by now. So with your journey to getting to where you are, to building your own business, what are your thoughts on nursepreneurship and some lessons that you have learned along the way?
0: I absolutely love being a nursepreneur. It is one of the best things that I've ever gifted myself (laughs) is the opportunity to create my own wealth and the opportunity to create something that I can build, grow and evolve. Like we talk about this a lot on the podcast, there are literally no limits, which is scary, but it's also like, how cool is that? How often do you have an opportunity where you can just do whatever the hell you want and make it a reality? So I love being an entrepreneur and I love that I have gifted this to myself and created it from the thoughts that I choose to think about my career and my potential. So the lessons that I've learned kind of revolve around Being kind of authentic to myself in this process and really tapping into what it is that I want to offer nurses moving forward and what is of great value to them. Now, I currently work with nurses that are moving within their careers, moving into leadership, and that in itself is scary, terrifying, fearful time. And having done it multiple times myself, it's allowed me to share my skills, knowledge, wisdom, experiences. And I think a lot of people think when they become a nurse, owner that they have to know all the answers, or they become a nurse coach, or they offer some kind of product, that they need to be like so many steps ahead of other people. And the reality is, what I'm learning is, you really only need to be one or two steps ahead of people that you're teaching. I mean, ideally, we're offering the best value possible. But ultimately, that's where that self-limiting belief comes in that I'm not ready. yet, When you are ready. And you can just take the action and you can just make it a reality moving forward. So that's one thing that I've learned is just do it. (laughs) Just do it and create it and make it a reality. And the other thing is really about investing in myself. Because I have had to invest significant amounts of money into building my business. Because like becoming a leader, I have no clue. I have no clue how to build a business. I had no clue how to, you know, price something or how to deliver a course or how to build a valuable course. So when you branch into entrepreneurship, and I love your post about this, you need to put the money up front <laughs> and you need to invest in yourself and continue to invest in yourself. And that's kind of what I'm doing this year. This year is like my break-even year. I just want to break even I want to invest so much in myself and then cover that cost so that from there on in it's the return on investment for me is just immense it's for the rest of my life no matter what I do whether I go back to clinical 10 years down the line or I continue building this and it becomes you know lifelong it's just so exciting to have that opportunity and for the first time in my life to feel like I'm truly following what it is I'm meant to be doing like that in itself is just such a gift and I had a moment last week, probably my big queen yourself moment last week was was bringing my partner to kind of my co-working space and being like, you know what? I created this for myself. Like, I am so frigging proud. And that sound, maybe sounds a little like meh, but I am so proud that I created this for myself, that I did all of the hard things. I pushed through all of the shitty feelings. I pushed through all of the mind drama to make this a reality. Because that's what I think a lot of people don't get is that in order to succeed, you have to fail. So for us to be able to move forward in nurse leadership, your career, your leadership, becoming a nun, you're going to fail. So what are you going to make that failure mean about you as an individual? And how can you increase your tolerance? I talk uh, about this a lot. How can you increase your tolerance to failure? So much so that failure just becomes a part of your life. Like it's 50% good, 50% bad. So of course there's going to be failure, right? And how can you just realize that failure is just such an amazing opportunity to stop reflect grow develop move forward versus oh shit I'm not good enough but <laughs> like which mm. one is more empowering right and I think we could all nursepreneur or not we could all take a little bit more from that little failure tolerance pot
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and I work with so many clients through that as well this notion that everything's got to be perfect on the first go and You know, you have to know how everything will turn out before you step forward. And, you know, that self-doubt that comes in and all of those things, I think, are literally on steroids when you begin your journey as an entrepreneur. And I know some of my highest highs and some of my lowest lows have come from this amazing journey. But you know what? I would not change it for anything. And I love what you said there. It's such a Celebration that you have that space now, your co working space, and being able to show your partner that like, what a win! So, with that, what services do you offer? I know you've alluded to a few, but I'd love for you to go into details on what you do offer at High Performance Nursing.
0: Awesome. So, I currently offer kind of three main coaching packages. So, I work first and foremost with graduates within my graduate career launch program. So, it's a program where I take grads from start to finish. Uh, Through the graduate application program, we apply for all the roles, we go over all the mind drama, we make sure that what you're applying for is in alignment with what you want from your career. And that includes CV support, cover letter, dreaded selection criteria, and interview coaching and preparation so that you've got everything you need to move forward. And then my second main program is my clinical career accelerator program. So that's an eight-week one-on-one coaching program where I work with nurses who are kind of grad year and on, and they are looking for clarity. They're looking for the roadmap. They're looking to make their dreams a reality. And we get to work and we make them happen over that eight weeks, eight to 10 weeks. And it's super exciting just to see so many aha moments on that journey. I'm sure you see them within you, lots of them within new within programs, but it's amazing for nurses to finally see that whatever they want to create, they can create. And we just literally no excuses. We make it happen. And my third and final kind of ascension from that is my clinical leadership mastermind program. So this is a 12-week one-on-one program where I work with nurses who are at more of a senior level in their career. Either they're moving into a leadership role or they're already in one and they're like, holy moly, what am I doing? How am I doing this? Is this even what I want? (laughs) And how do I build a high-performing culture and workforce and I'll take them through how to achieve that within the 12 weeks and give them I guess the beautiful thing of all of the the programs is I'm literally trying to put myself out of business because the aim is to equip you with the lifelong skills for your career that I believe no one teaches us so that you can rinse and repeat and you know pull on all of these tools as you move forward so they're my three main programs I do a little bit of CV application support kind of ad hoc as well try to move a bit away from that. It's very transactional. And there's lots of people that are doing that. But yeah, they're my three main offerings.
1: Amazing. I love that. I think what you do is so, so important and so needed. Is there any message or any last words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with? I would
0: say that within your career, within the career context, if you want something, make it happen. Like if you want something, go for it. Get comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, discomfort is the currency of your dreams. It is so important to recognize that you need to be uncomfortable to grow. And that is where the growth lies. Instead, we try to avoid it. We try to seek pleasure, avoid pain and make it happen with the least amount possible, least amount of effort. But we need to do the opposite. We need to invest the time, invest your resources, bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. How many times do you pay for conference? It's about anatomy and physiology? And it's the same thing rehashed 10 times over. Bet on yourself. Do something non-clinical that will change your life forever. And I believe that that's what both you and I offer people. It's not a one-time fix. And then it's done. it is a tool that you need for life. And that's a problem in the healthcare workforce right now is that we invest in clinical pro- courses, programs. Amazing. We do need to develop clinically. But you also need to develop as a human. And what better way to do it than working with me or working with Hannah? <laughs> yeah, we're I, awesome. that.
1: yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think I did do like a sassy quote about that a while ago about that. I had to stop myself laughing into the mic then when you said about <laughs> the professional development and not personal development, because it's so, you know, we have to do that for our registration and that's just inbuilt in our culture. Well, yes, it's so important to upskill in your area. And as a nurse, we forget about ourselves and, you know, we've got all these amazing clinical skills, but meanwhile, we're drowning in now limiting thoughts and our emotions, and we don't know what we're, who we are and where we want to go. So like inner work is where it's at. It's amazing. I love all that you said there. And I love that quote. Discomfort is the currency of your dreams. I just love it. Love it. Love it. So where can our listeners find you?
0: I am everywhere.
1: <laughs> where you
0: look, you're fine. I'm at liamcaswell.com. So you can get me there through the website. I have some freebies that you can download there around career. And my six steps to career clarity and freedom can I download. I'm on Instagram at High Performance Nursing. And I'm on Facebook, High Performance Nursing. And podcast, High Performance Nursing, the podcast where Hannah's guest Stored many times and we dive into lots of amazing topics and there's an episode coming out soon with Hannah and I again so yeah I'm kind of all over the place but you know reach out say hi have a chance and see if I can help you
1: amazing thank you so so much for your time I know everything that you shared is going to help so many people and I always love the conversations that we have so thank you I will see you you soon Bye. (laughs) Bye. bye If you enjoyed
0: listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out our high performance nursing membership, my monthly coaching program, where we take what we teach in this podcast, and we take it to the next level to help you thrive as a high performance human and a nurse. Join us at liamcaswell.com forward slash HPNM. I would love to see you in there. I'll see you in coaching.